Welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports, here live on this Monday, April the 3rd, in the house with your boy Trey Larkers on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. It's the national championship tonight in Houston. It's the San Diego State Aztecs. It's the Yukon Huskies tonight, 9-20 tip-off in Houston. It's going to be a great matchup between two good teams. I'm so excited for the matchup tonight. It's, it's been some great, great college basketball over the weekend. Friday, Caitlin Clark and Iowa, they advanced to the championship, and LSU did beat Iowa yesterday in the national championship. So shout-out to the LSU women's basketball team for for winning the national championship and you know amazing amazing accomplishment from that program for sure for sure amazing amazing accomplishment and man it's just a great time for basketball great time for some college basketball and company so i got an action jam pack show before the game tips off tonight i'm gonna talk about the dallas mavericks and their current struggles also, I'm going to talk about later on the show, the L.A. Chargers. They hired Kellen Moore a while back. I want to talk about this a while a while back, but I couldn't get into it. But it's something definitely I want to get into now. And also later on the show, I'm going to also talk about the Ben Simmons in the, in the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons is out for the remainder of the season, so he's going to be out. So I'm going to get into all of that in a bit as well. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic you want to discuss, we can definitely talk about it on the show tonight. I want to welcome to the show, owner and founder of Three Point Conversion, my man, Raphael. What's up, Raphael? Hey, what's going on, man? Excited. Ready for this long night. It's about to be a long night for me, but I'm very excited, man. We might be in store for something special tonight. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's going to be special. I definitely think it's, it's going to be special. Raphael, let's get right to it. So Saturday night, we had two different games. The first game, San Diego State beat Florida Atlantic 72-71 to on Lamont Butler's game winner at the buzzer. You saw it live in person. So talk about the energy in the arena the moment Butler hit that game-winning big-time shot. Something you dream for. I wasn't even playing, and it felt like I was on the team because the whole gym just went crazy. And I'm talking about not just the uh, San Diego State fans, everybody there. Remember, it was a lot of UConn fans, Miami fans waiting for the second game, and just to see the emotion. And I was sitting on the San Diego State side, just the emotion throughout the building. I mean, sitting next to Carlos Boozer, he's going crazy, jumping up. Matt Johnson was uh, not too far away from me. He's going crazy. Barkley, all of them. I mean, everybody had their hands on their head, jumped up. I mean, it was it was a great moment, especially for a type of team and the type of season that they had. But then you look at the players. I couldn't even see the players because everybody was going crazy <laughs> where we were. Yeah. But the energy, you the emotion, you felt like you were 
a part of history just being inside the building. Probably you felt like that if you were watching it. I mean, it's something that you would never forget, you know. So uh, it, it was great, great energy. So, Raphael, San Diego State trailed by as many as 14 points in the first half against Florida Atlantic. They cut the lead to seven at the half. What was something that was a key for them in the second half? Well, believe it or not, it was the technical foul that Michael Parrish received when he elbowed my man from Florida Atlantic. And yeah. I don't know if you remember, Michael Technical and the guy, and they hit two free throws, put him up by 14. After that, Michael Parrish came back, hit two big three pointers. Then from there, you started to see the confidence happen. You started to see um, Ladie come in yeah. and hustling and it seemed like he had 28 points and 15 rebounds, which he didn't. He had 13 points, but he was always around the ball, rebounding. They were hustling. They were playing great defense. So it was really that technical yeah. foul. I actually had a chance to speak to Michael Parrish and ask him about that. And he said, he was like, yeah, it just felt like he was like, once I got that technical, which I understood, he was like, once we got into the huddle, everybody just locked in. It's like it was a spark. So um, it got him refocused, and that was the key. And San Diego State, their best player, Raphael, is Matt Bradley. Bradley had 21 points, six rebounds, and Jaden Ledee had 12 off the bench. The Aztecs had 27 points off the bench as a team. How important is it for them to have production from their bench? I mean, of course, it's very important in case, like you just mentioned, you have Jaden Ledee pick them up while they get their confidence back. You kind of saw yeah. that in last, um, in a game Saturday night. Matt Bradley had a nice game, but everybody else, they were struggling. It seemed like they were a little tentative at first. And actually, yeah. Matt Bradley, he kind of slowed down in the second half. But hence, you got Ladee coming in and the rest of your bench coming in and um, picking him up. So especially playing against UConn right now, because if you don't want to get to San Diego State, have a bad shooting performance in the first half or early on with the starters, you can't get down by more than 14 points. Just because, yes, I know the defense is great, but when you're playing against a team like UConn, who is hot right now, you can't afford to match them. You don't want to be down 12 or 14 points early. You need your bench to come in and uplift starters. He's the owner and founder of the three-point conversion. Go and follow my man, Raphael Haynes, on all social media platforms. Raphael, Florida Atlantic, they had an amazing run. Finished 35-4. and four. Do you believe a run like this in the NCAA tournament will help their program be able to recruit some top players and become a legit powerhouse basketball program moving forward i do um but here's the thing yes you have that where because they went in puts them on the map but we've yeah. seen cases like loyola chicago they went to the final four yeah but after that you really hadn't heard too much about them yes they might have had a few players go there that weren't thinking about going there but now still the same thing remember george mason Raphael? Yeah, george mason the same way right exactly yep. so yep. It, it depends on what happens next year and then with saying that, think about the coach you mentioned. If you have Dusty May, who this was the first year that they really played well, they were 35 and four, right? So yeah. of course teams are looking at looking at him. If he doesn't get a call this year, let's say if they just make it to the second round, or even if they get to the Sweet 16, he's gone. So yeah. it's, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, look at Kennesaw State. Look at um, Amir Abdul Rahim. Look what he did for them. He put them on a map. He he way he coached and then now he's at South Florida so yes you can have that where teams players might go to that team it just depends on if that coach stays it's usually it's the other way around with the coach once they start doing well next thing you know you see other major schools bigger schools start looking for them and 
and recruiting them to come to coach their teams. Yeah, and let's move to the other game, Raphael, from Saturday. The other game was never in doubt Saturday night <laughs> in Houston. UConn completely shut down Miami, Florida, held them to only 32% shooting and only 35% from three-point range. What was the key in the Huskies' defensive game plan to contain those shooters from Miami? Yes, they were running up on them, you know, for the shooters, but honestly, it's just size. They, they couldn't yeah. penetrate like they wanted to. Wong had an off night, and then when he tried to get to the basket, of course, like I said, when you got size like that, you got a Donovan Kling, you know, you got a um, Adama back in the paint, either blocking shots or altering shots. Again, if you're down behind, what can you do? And now you're forced to shoot threes, you're off rhythm, the guards are playing up up close to you because they know they got protection in, in the paint. It was just that. Like I said, I think it's the size. That's the biggest difference they have every team that was in the final for it. And past probably every team in the tournament. And that's what makes UConn great, Raphael, because they run you off the three-point line. They also got great rim protection as well. So I think defensively, that's the reason why they have an opportunity to win their fifth championship in history tonight because of their defense, not necessarily their offense. And I think that's where they make their name for themselves as a program. No, I agree. I agree. And um, just because of that defense and that size, it's hard to beat them. You know, you have to be yeah. scrappy with them. That's the only way you can beat them. you, you got to hope they have a bad shooting night as well. With that height and that size, is is just hard to score on them. In Miami, they shot 7 of 20 from three-point range Saturday night, Raphael, just 35%. So they weren't able to hit their perimeter shots. And I thought that was the reason why Miami was able to get as far as they got because they was able to hit perimeter shots right. in earlier games in the tournament. And so the fact that UConn was able to play that great defense and Miami, they missed some perimeter shots early on and they just couldn't get into a rhythm and that just threw them off the entire night. No, I agree. And remember, you look at it, I think they scored 24 points, 23 points in the first half. Second half, they scored 35 points. But by then, it's too late. You can't match UConn point for point. It, it yeah. doesn't work. You know, they tried to go on a few runs. It looked like they were about to go on a few runs in the second half. But UConn, they're just too big. They, they um, dominated the boards. Just too big. Yeah. And the big man, Adama Sanago for the UConn, in the beginning of the game, Raphael, he hit like two threes. And I said, man, if he hitting threes, it's going to be a long night right. for, for Miami. He hit two threes. And right. like you said, in the first half, Miami scored 24 points. UConn had 37 points. So they had a 13-point lead at the half. And you can't play from behind against UConn, man. It's hard to come back on. That's why they've been up, what, been winning by double digits every game this tournament. And let's talk about their head coach, Raphael. Their head coach is... Dan Harley, he's been at UConn since 2018. He's 103 and 55 as a head coach, so he's won 65% of his games. And like Kentucky, like Duke, like North Carolina, like Kansas, we consider UConn a blue blood in college basketball. So they have championship expectations year in and year out. And they've been to the national championship game four times. They won all four times. What kind of impact do you believe Hurley has had on his this, his basketball team throughout the tournament? It's in his pedigree, you know. Um, look at his family. You know, he, he knows yeah. what it takes to be a champion. He knows what it is. So 
and he has a son there, and then you got great players. And it's part of the program as well. I mean, when you come into a program like this who's used to winning, of course, they're only going to bring in someone they know who can go ahead and continue that legacy. And sure enough, he has. I mean, he put his players in the best positions during the game, you know, and uh, never panics. What was very interesting was after the game, San Diego State, they hit, you know, they won off a um, game winner at the buzzer. So, of course, they're going to be ecstatic and happy. Yeah. UConn, after they won, it felt like they lost. I, and I asked him, I was like, what's going on? Is this just a mindset? And everyone said, I asked a few guys this, and they said, I mean, we haven't finished our goal. I, this, is, this is part of the journey. He's like, so we haven't finished, we haven't reached our goal, and the goal is to win the championship. So it's nothing to get excited about, nothing to get happy about. And I was just like, wow, like that, that's, and that comes from the coach, you know, and that's what they said. They said, coaches prepared us to focus just on winning the championship is win or bust. So for him to get them to believe that, and you don't usually have college teams believing that unless they're like undefeated. It wasn't like UConn was undefeated in the season. So when you have teams preparing to go to the tournament with that mindset, I mean, of course you're going to see them in the championship. You should, especially if they have talent. Yeah, yeah. And what it is is, Raphael, just like Kentucky, just like North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, UConn has real championship expectations. Unlike Florida Atlantic, unlike San Diego State, they got expectations. So getting to the national championship game and losing would be a disappointment in that program. And that's probably why you went into the locker room and you probably, you was confused. Like what's going on? They're not excited. They, and their mindset, one more. They got to, they got to get one more. Man, it was very somber. And I'm telling you, it was boring. Even with Jordan Hawkins coming back, he was just, yeah, I'm glad to be back. I had to play, you know, it, it was just boring, you know, but that's good. That's what you want. You know, it was, it, they were very professional. I was shocked, man. So that's why it's like, it's going to be a task for San Diego State. Let's talk about the task for San Diego State tonight. We got San Diego State, it's UConn in Houston. So UConn is the overwhelming favorites, Raphael. What are your expectations for this matchup tonight between the Aztecs and the Huskies? For Aztecs to be in this game and be make it competitive, they, they have to be scrappy like they always have. Just play their game, play great defense, which they have good defense. Bother yeah. them, bother them. Yes, we know UConn has height, but for the most part, I mean, they just got to scrap. They just got to fight. They got to be, you know, annoying. You know what I'm saying? And and then you look at it this way. The Aztecs have four junior, four seniors and a junior in their starting lineup. Yeah. So just using experience, yes, you can't say UConn has experience because, I mean, it's the final four. I mean, it's not like – this team been together for 10 years or 70 years, and they've been to the Final Four three or six years. This particular team, they haven't. So, but it's experience as far as just knowing how to play, play with each other, knowing, the, you know, when a game is out of, it seems like it's about to get out of reach, or when a game is close, just they have to, you know, depend on that experience. And of course, depend on each other. One thing about San Diego State, I do like about them, they're like a family, they're close knit. You know, they, they do believe in each other. So if they can, just hang around, be pesky, be annoying. It can happen. I mean, they, they can make it close. And, and if it's close, you never know what happens. And, and you spoke about this earlier, Raphael. UConn, they have won all five of their games in this tournament by double digits. So I thought about this earlier as I was thinking about the game. San Diego State, their last two wins have been by a combined two points. 
So if right. the game is close in the last five minutes, despite UConn being the better team, would you give San Diego State an edge considering they've been playing close games already in the tournament? That could be. And again, I'm going to lean on the fact that it's just experience. I believe that's why they're winning close games because of experience. And these type in these days, how many teams you have in the Final Four that has four seniors and one junior start in their starting lineup? That don't happen nowadays. I mean, this is back in yesteryear when in the 90s and the 80s. But now, no, you know, I mean, to be quite frank, at this point, for the most part, if you a senior right now playing pretty much i mean i hate to say this in those college but i'm just being mr controversy for a second pretty much garbage it's a different time right now so to have those juniors and seniors playing with each other when the game is close they don't panic they've been in these situations especially during this tournament so they don't panic they know what to do now as far as uconn i can't say that because they don't have experience they will fall and mess up or they won't make the shot or they'll no because they have talent and when you have talent like that and players who can get their shot. That's all you need in basketball games. To get experience, just talent. <laughs> That's what you yeah. need. So the edge, I guess I'll give it to San Diego State because they've been in these conditions. They've been in these situations. And then based on their experience. But, yes, still, if you have talent, talent is what wins usually. But I do give the slight edge to San Diego State. Two more questions for you, Raphael, before we get out of here. San Diego State's head coach, Brian Dutcher, has been at San Diego State for six seasons. His record is 151 and 46. So he's won 77% of his games. We spoke about Dan Harley earlier. Which team do you believe has the coaching advantage in this matchup? That's hard to say. These teams, especially with San Diego State, haven't been in the Final Four. Now, remember, San Diego State was uh, one seed in 2020. The pandemic stopped everything. So who can coach? We know he can coach. But going into the game, I can give it to Hurley. Like I said, I think Hurley put his teams in better you know in better situations. Yeah. Not only that, just their preparation, their mentality, as I spoken early, spoken about earlier. But when that game gets close or when it's time to fight, one thing San Diego State knows how to do. Yeah. They know how to fight. So I'll give the slight edge to Hurley, but at the same time, I mean both these coaches have done an excellent job. I mean, that's why they're here, you know, right. on coaching. I mean, yes, they have talent, but it's the way they prepare their team and coach their team. Honestly, Raphael, when you listen to the media, they've been talking mm -hmm. about Hurley more than Brian Dutcher, and we're not giving Brian Dutcher enough credit because, again, in six seasons, he's won 77% of his games. So he's doing something right out there in San Diego State. So I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if you agree, but over the last you know, week, you know, I feel like people have been talking about Dan Hurley a lot and not really talking about Brian Dutcher as much. And I think we got to give him some credit, man, and show him some love because San Diego State wouldn't be in the national championship tonight without Brian Dutcher being their head coach. They wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Well, I mean, again, we're not accustomed to seeing San Diego State always in the Final Four or Elite yeah. Eight. Right. So they don't have the type of players, and we're just going to be real, tell the truth to shame the devil. They don't have the type of players that you can have. They don't have that recruiting class. So right. it has to be – majority of the coach and what he's doing is the reason why they're here. The reason why they want, he's won or the team's won 77% of the games since he's been coaching. So, yes, he needs to get more credit, but you know how it is. I mean, this is why I got into media because you have a lot of media or, you know, they they, they like the bigger story, even though San Diego State should be the big story, but it's, it's, it's Hurley 
Dan Hurley. Yeah. This is UConn. So of course you're gonna give it to them. You're gonna talk about them because that's what most players are. I'm not most players, but most fans are familiar with. So yes, he's getting all the credit as far as Hurley, but no, you're right. That um, just the entire team, the entire program needs to get a lot of recognition right now. He's the owner and founder of the Three Point Conversion. Raphael, I got to put you on spot here, my brother. It's almost tip off here in about two hours out there in Houston. It's the San Diego State Aztecs. It's their first national championship game appearance. It's the Yukon Huskies' fifth championship game appearance. They four and on their previous four. They're the overwhelming favorites. Who you got tonight, Aztecs or Huskies? I think that Aztecs can go ahead and push Yukon to the limit. They, they okay. just can't get down by 12 or 14. And it can't right. be that going into the half. You know, if, they, right. if they're six, seven at the most, then you have a game. But the defense can keep them in. We know that. This is what needs to happen. UConn hasn't had a bad shooting game all tournament. But we know right. let's year the Golden State Warriors of 2016, sometimes yeah. it's going to happen where you might have that bad shooting night. And if they just yeah. have that bad shooting night, coupled with the Aztecs defense and then the Aztecs shooting well, because remember, yeah. Matt Bradley hadn't shot well. I mean, he had a good game on Saturday, but the last two games, if not three, he hadn't shot well. So right. this might be the night where everybody plays well, their confidence is high, they're ready to play. And if UConn, they don't come out and shoot well, it could be a game in the Aztecs and uh, make history. But because of their size, it's just – it's going to be too much, man. I, I just have UConn winning tonight. Okay. Okay. So you got UConn winning tonight. I, like I said, I think it's going to be a great matchup, too. But, um, man, let everyone know where they can find you, Raphael. First of all, man, I appreciate you for having me on. It's my first time being on, man. So I, I feel special. But company, the three point conversion, go to our, um, go to all social media platforms, go to our YouTube channel. Make sure you, you subscribe. Of course, you know, we're going to have updates. We're going to have exclusive interviews. We're going to have, the post-game pressers, pre-game pressers, we're going to have it all. Also, you can follow me on all social media platforms, Facebook, Raphael Haynes, but everywhere else you can go to, it's Mr. Controversy, you know, that's my alias. Go to our iHeart station, iHeart Radio, the three-point conversion, live now on Wednesday nights. Until then, and I didn't say this before, man, but I'm going to say it like I normally do when I leave. Will you miss me? Diplomatic yeah. right now. I'm I know, I know, I know. Me and Raphael, this is my brother. And he loved the Bears. I'm a Packers fan, but this is my brother. And we actually got a relation. We got a we actually good friends outside of all this this media stuff. So I always got to call Raphael during football season because I'm a Packers fan. He's a Bears fan. And now Aaron Rodgers is probably on his way to Chicago. So maybe, 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 maybe your Bears might have a chance in the it's NFC. Maybe a chance in the NFC North moving forward because. Aaron Rodgers been y'all kryptonite. If Aaron Rodgers is playing again, it's about to be a wrap. You see the window is opening yeah. up, bro. I got to say, don't get me started, man. You know, I'm in game mode. I'm going to definitely bring you on, man. We got a lot of other things to talk about, man, because I want to talk about the NBA playoffs and a lot more with you for sure, man. So I appreciate you coming on tonight. Everybody go and follow the three-point conversion on all social media platforms. Raphael doing his thing, man. So I appreciate you coming on, brother. And, uh, I, I, and I'll be in contact. I'll give you a call tomorrow. All right. Appreciate y'all. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you, appreciate you. Raphael, man, go and follow Three Point Conversion on all social media platforms. He, he definitely doing his thing. So it's going to be a big time matchup tonight out there in Houston. It, it really is. Um, Aztecs and the, and the Huskies, 
both going to tip off. The tip off is going to be at 9.20 p.m. in Houston. So it's going to be a great matchup. Great, Definitely a great matchup. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys. I'm going to scroll away. on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These Guys Know Sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore Wait, Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. You just heard from my man Raphael Haynes. He's out there live in Houston for the national championship matchup tonight between the Aztecs and the Huskies. So it's a big time matchup out there. Go and check it out tonight. Jim Nance, I believe this is going to be his last broadcast calling the game live so I, I think Jim Nance has a sensational job for CBS he's one of the best broadcasters of all time for sure so it's, it's going to be a good matchup UConn they are the overwhelming favorites but I give the Aztecs a chance tonight I give them a chance if they can keep the game close in the first half you never know what could happen in the second half and you get a couple stops hit some shots like like Raphael said if UConn is 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 not shooting the ball well, I definitely give the Aztecs a chance. And the Aztecs defensively, that's how they have to win this game. They got to set the tone defensively. But it's definitely going to be a good matchup tonight out there in Houston. Aztecs, Huskies, 9-20 tip-off on CBS. But let's transition to the wise guys question of the day. It's in the NBA it's the Dallas Mavericks. The question of the day is, will the Mavericks make the playoffs? That's where we begin tonight. Last night, the Atlanta Hawks beat the Dallas Mavericks 132-130. to So Dallas is now one game back of the 10-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder. And OKC, they own the tiebreaker over the Dallas Mavericks. So, when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks and their current struggles, contrary to what everybody believes, the reason why the Dallas Mavericks are struggling right now is not Kyrie Irving. I think a lot of people want to blame Kyrie Irving conveniently because Kyrie Irving was a problem in Houston. He was a problem in Boston, and he was a problem in Brooklyn. So, when people talk about the struggles for the Dallas Mavericks, a lot of times they just want to conveniently blame Kyrie Irving. But so far since Kyrie's been in Dallas, Kyrie Irving's averaging 26 points per game on 51% shooting from the floor. He's shooting 37% from three-point range. And he's been productive in the fourth quarter, unlike Luka Doncic. So when I look at the Dallas Mavericks and their struggles right now, Kyrie Irving is not the reason why the Mavericks are struggling. The reason why the Dallas Mavericks are struggling is because of Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, he's about to become the first player since LeBron James in the 2004-2005 season, in a season where he scored 2,000 points, had over 500 rebounds, 500 assists, and did not make the playoffs. The last player to do that was LeBron James in the 04-05 season. And the reason why I believe that Luka 
is the issue right now in Dallas is because he played with Kristaps Porzingis. That didn't work out. He played with Jalen Brunson last year. Mark Cuban, Jason Kidd, for whatever reason, they decided to allow Jalen Brunson to walk in free agency. And now Luka is struggling with Kyrie Irving. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving this year, in games they've played together, they've won 31% of their games. 31%. And that's the worst by all-star teammates in a season since 1976-77 with minimal 10 games played. 31% of their games. Now, when they made the trade for Kyrie and they traded Dorian Finney-Smith, I said immediately that the Dallas Mavericks offensively, they won't have any issues scoring at an elite level. But defensively, giving up Dorian Finney-Smith, who was their best perimeter defender, they were going to struggle on the defensive side of the floor. And the way that this Mavericks team is built, they're not a team that's constructed of players that are defensive-minded players. We know offensively they're going to score a lot of points with Luka and Kyrie. But defensively, they can't get stops. And that's the reason why they are struggling the way that they are right now. Last night, I saw Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter against the Atlanta Hawks. Kyrie Irving had 14 points in the fourth quarter last night. 14 points! And every time I thought that the Mavericks were going to make a run and pull away from the Atlanta Hawks, who are also struggling, by the way. Atlanta Hawks are the eighth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. So they're not having a great season either. But every time I thought the Mavericks were going to pull away, they couldn't get stops. They couldn't get stops. And the reason why I believe that Luka Doncic is the main person to blame in this Mavericks organization right now is because as great as Luka is from a statistical standpoint, we don't really know if Luka Doncic is a team first player. We know individually Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, the man can score with the best of them in the NBA. He can also distribute the basketball, a tremendous passer. But again, Chris Das Porzingis, it didn't work with Luka. Jalen Brunson, they let him walk in free agency. And now Kyrie Irving is a part of the roster and they're struggling again. So instead of blaming Kyrie Irving, because it's convenient, instead of blaming Jason Kidd, who we all know knows the game of basketball, and instead of blaming Mark Cuban, we need to look at Luka Doncic and ask the question, if Luka Doncic can be the number one option on a championship contender? Because we can't continue to blame everyone else. My dad, he always told me, like, growing up, I had a relationship with my father, and my dad always told me, like, you know, when you in different relationships and, you you know, you go in for one relationship, you go into another and you continuously, you know, have different partners. At some point, it got to be you. We can't continue to blame everyone else and deflect. You got to look in the mirror. And I think Luka Doncic needs to look in the mirror right now and take some accountability for the reason why the Mavericks are struggling. It can't be everyone else. It got to be Luka. And so I think. The Mavericks, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're already one game back from the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
and OKC has a tiebreaker over the Mavericks. They got a tiebreaker over them. Right now, in the Western Conference, the, the Mavericks, they 37 and 42. OKC is 38 and 41. So they got a they got a full game up on the Mavericks. The Timberwolves are 39 and 40. And so the Mavericks in trouble. They, they, they really are in trouble. And I want to look at their final three games. I know they got the Spurs in one of their games. They, they all the rest of their games are at home in Dallas. So that's one thing that they have going for them. They are Wednesday, they are home against the Kings. That could be a potential loss. Kings been having a good season. Kings are the number three seed right now in the Western Conference. And then Friday, they're home against the Bulls. Bulls been playing some good basketball lately. We know that as a dynamic duo, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine can score at an elite level. So that could be a loss for the Dallas Mavericks. And then Sunday, they finish up against the Spurs. I pray they can beat the Spurs. That's a must win for the Mavericks. They got to beat the Spurs Sunday in Dallas. But in order for them to make the playoffs and make the play-in, forget about the playoffs, to make the play-in, they got to go 3-0 over their final three games. They got to beat the Kings, Bulls, and Spurs to have a chance at making the play-in. And if they don't make the play-in and they miss the playoffs, all the questions in the offseason about whether or not they're going to re-sign Kyrie Irving is going to start. We know Kyrie Irving wants to go to L.A. He wants to team back up with LeBron James. So if you're the Mavericks, you got to do everything you can to try to bring Kyrie Irving back. You got to do everything you can. So I think the Mavericks, they definitely in trouble and they got to figure some things out. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the L.A. Chargers hiring Kellen Moore. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on this beautiful Monday, April 3rd. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to the NFL, and let's talk about the L.A. Chargers as the L.A. Chargers recently hired Kellen Moore as Kellen Moore and the Dallas Cowboys mutually agreed to part ways. And so this happened a while back. So I'm a little late on this, but I've been wanting to talk about it, but it's been so much stuff going on in the NFL with NFL free agency and the NFL draft coming up. I haven't had a chance to talk about the Chargers hiring Kellen Moore. So I believe the Chargers hiring Kellen Moore was a great move for Kellen Moore and the LA Chargers. Let's start off with Kellen Moore and why this is a good move for Kellen Moore. The number one reason why this is a good move for Kellen Moore is because you're going from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott is. So now Kellen Moore will get an opportunity to coach and put together a game plan around a quarterback who doesn't have limitations. I say it all the time. From a physical talent standpoint, Justin Herbert is one of the best in the NFL. He's one of the best in the NFL. 
He has tremendous arm strength and his velocity on his throws is great. He also has great athleticism as well. I really, really like Justin Herbert. Now, I know Justin Herbert doesn't have a playoff win on his resume, but Justin Herbert is better than some other quarterbacks who actually have playoff wins on their resume, Dak Prescott included. So for Kellen Moore, upgrading at the quarterback position and now going from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert is a win for Kellen Moore. Now, when it comes to the Chargers and why I believe that this is a win for the LA Chargers, let's go back to the playoff game against the Jacksonville Jaguars for the LA Chargers. Remember, the Chargers were beating the Jaguars 27 to 0 in the first half of their playoff matchup against the Jaguars. At halftime, they were up 27 to 7. In the second half, Austin Eckler had less than five rush attempts. Less than five rush attempts. Now, when you look at Austin Eckler as a running back, I think he is a top 10 running back in the NFL. Last year, Austin Eckler, he had 204 carries, 915 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, averaging four and a half yards per carry. I believe. Eckler is an underrated running back in the NFL. And he's tremendous at being able to catch the ball out of the backfield for the LA Chargers. Last year, Eckler had 107 receptions for 722 receiving yards, five touchdowns. So one of the things that in today's NFL that makes running backs good is being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. This is why I love having Aaron Jones on the Packers. This is why the Bengals should love having Joe Mixon because they can catch the ball out of the backfield. This ain't the 90s, like Emmitt Smith and, you know, when they had Jerome Bettis. Those running backs at that time, they were running backs who ran between the tackles, and usually they had third-down running backs who they brought in on passing situations. But now in the NFL, if you're a running back and you are included in the offense, you got to be able to catch the ball in passing situations and be a reliable target for your quarterback. This ain't the 90s, this ain't the 80s. In today's NFL, you have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield as a running back, and Austin Eckler does that with the best of them in the NFL. And so I think his value is significant on the LA Chargers football team. So I believe that bringing in a coordinator like Kellen Moore, I believe if you bring back Eckler, because Eckler is upset right now with the Chargers, it's reports out there how he he wants to be traded. He, he This year, his base salary is $6.25 million. So he's very, very underpaid. And he wants a new deal that's going to pay him $10 to $12 million per season. And we know today in the NFL, running backs are expendable. Look at the Giants. They just gave Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, a new deal. And Saquon Barkley... Who's better than Daniel Jones got franchise tag. Saquon Barkley got franchise tag. And we know Saquon is better than Daniel Jones is. We all know that. But because the or these teams, they view running backs as being expendable. And honestly, when you look at the data and the results, you can see why. Look at the Chiefs this year. 
They didn't have a premier running back. They didn't have a, a, a star running back like a Derrick Henry, like an Austin Ekelar, like a Joe Mixon, like an Aaron Jones. They had McKinnon as their running back. I understand Austin Ekelar's, you know, position and how he wants to get paid, but I also understand these teams who believe that these running backs are expendable and they don't want to give them long-term money at the position because in the NFL, you one hit away from being done, not only for your season that you're in, but for your career. So teams, they don't want to give these running backs all this money knowing that you're taking so many hits. So it's tough, but it's undeniable Austin Eckler's value on this LA Chargers football team. Offensively, they got Keenan Allen. They got Mike Williams as well. They got Everett at tight end. And they got Herbert as their quarterback. But you can make a legitimate argument that the most reliable player offensively for the L.A. Chargers is Austin Ekelar. And bringing in a coordinator like Kellen Moore, I believe Kellen Moore is going to run the football more in L.A. The, the, the Chargers had a 27-point lead and a 20-point lead at halftime against the Jaguars, and they could not finish the deal against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why? Because they didn't want to run the football. They didn't want to run the football. In the NFL, when you have leads, you've got to be able to run the football. You can't keep dropping Herbert back to pass and you have a lead because you know at some point the opposing team's offense, they're going to get into a rhythm. They're going to start scoring some points. And if you can't rely on your running game in the second half, you're going to lose 27-point leads like the Chargers did in the playoff game this past season against the Jaguars. This year, this is the Chargers offense. Herbert had 699 pass attempts. So they threw the ball much more than they ran the ball. And you've got to be able to run the ball if you want to be effective. You can't just drop back the pass and be one-dimensional. That was one of the issues that I had with one of the other teams in the NFL was they, they were they're one-dimensional. You can't be a one-dimensional football team. you got to be able to run the football. You look at the Chargers offensive line. They got Corey Lindsey up front. They got right guard Zion Johnson. Left guard, you got Jamari Salver. Left tackle, Rayshon Slater. Right tackle, Trey Pipkins the third. So they, their offensive line is average. They're average. But you got to be able to run the ball. you you got to be. You cannot be a one-dimensional football team and expect to be able to win games. You just can't do it. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at these guys no sports. Let's transition back to the NBA and let's talk about Kevin Durant as Kevin Durant. He was recently speaking with the athletic and he was talking about his legacy. 
So I want to read these, this quote from Kevin Durant. This is KD. He says, quote, I don't care about legacy. I used to want to carve out a lane or space in this game for myself that people can remember, but it's become too much of a thing now. It just becomes too much of a focus on other people. What's he done? What's he done? Comparisons. Before, when we wasn't doing all this debating, I cared about it. I'm about to be in the same breath as the, these top guys. It was big. Nowadays, I truly, truly don't care. I truly just want to go out there and produce and be the best that I can be. Go home and hang out with my family. That's it. That was Kevin Durant's recent comments to The Athletic. So when it comes to Kevin Durant and whether or not I'm buying him not caring about his legacy anymore, I'm not buying it from Kevin Durant. And the reason why I'm not buying Kevin Durant still not caring about his legacy is because if you don't care about your legacy, KD, why the hell did you demand a trade out of Brooklyn and now in Phoenix? We all know that Kevin Durant, when he departed Oklahoma City for the Warriors, the year prior, the Warriors were 73 and 9. They were one Kyrie Irving game winning shot away from winning back to back NBA championships. And when he departed Oklahoma City and went to Golden State, he went to Golden State because he wanted to position himself to win a championship, even if it came at the expense of parity in the NBA. Kevin Durant just wanted to go to a team that had camaraderie, that had chemistry, that had ball movement, where he can position himself the best way he can to win an NBA championship. And this is why he left OKC for Golden State. So he goes to Golden State. And while he's there in Golden State, the man averages 26 points per game, which was the second in team history for the Warriors. In Golden State, he wins back-to-back -back NBA championships. He wins back-to-back -back NBA Finals MVPs. And honestly, if Kevin Durant didn't get injured in that third season in Golden State, the Warriors would have swept the Toronto Raptors. Yes, they would have swept Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi, he's a great all-time player, has two NBA championships on his resume. If Kevin Durant never got injured, the Warriors would have swept the Raptors in that year's NBA Finals. He departs Golden State and he goes to Brooklyn. He teams up with Kyrie Irving. But while he was in Golden State, he had the perfect situation. He had Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters in NBA history, one of the greatest players also in NBA history. He had Klay Thompson, who's also one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. He had Draymond Green, who's a enforcer on that Warriors basketball team. He was being coached by Steve Kerr, one of the best coaches in the NBA, also knows the game of basketball. Steve Kerr has forgotten more basketball than I know. And he was in an organization with the Warriors that was a championship organization that had a great culture. So why would you leave Golden State to go to Brooklyn, KD, if you don't care about your legacy? No, you left Golden State because you wanted to go to Brooklyn to prove that you could win without the Golden State Warriors, and you could be the leader of a championship team in Brooklyn. 
So you go to Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. We know that in Brooklyn, it was dysfunctional. Kyrie Irving had a bunch of issues off the floor he was dealing with. The Brooklyn Nets or as an organization, they had James Harden. They traded James Harden away. And the experiment with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving was a failure. It was a failure. It probably was the biggest failure in NBA history, if I'm being honest. The trio of Harden, Irving, and Durant, offensively, we've never seen a trio that great from a scoring perspective. Never. And probably never going to see it again. But they were probably the biggest failure in NBA history. And while in Brooklyn, even though Kyrie Irving had his, his issues, the Brooklyn Nets organization made it very, very clear that they wanted to keep Kevin Durant a part of the organization. They were willing to trade Kyrie Irving away and build around Kevin Durant. But when it all fell apart in Brooklyn and they traded Kyrie Irving away, when Kyrie made, when they didn't want to give Kyrie Irving an extension and Kyrie Irving wanted his money and the Nets, they didn't want to trade, they didn't want to give Kyrie Irving his money. They didn't want to sign him to a long-term extension because best ability is availability. And Kyrie Irving, for whatever reason, sometimes the man doesn't want to go to work. And they don't want to give Kyrie Irving that long-term money and invest in him if they don't know if he's going to be available at least 80% or 85% of the games during the regular season and if he's going to play. So they didn't want to pay him a long-term extension, so they trade Kyrie Irving. So then, once Kyrie got traded, Kevin Durant also followed up and wanted to be traded away from the Brooklyn Nets. But if you don't care about your legacy, KD, you would have stayed in Brooklyn. You could have stayed in Brooklyn. You could have stayed in the East where the East is a inferior conference in comparison to the Western Conference. So your path to the finals would have been easier in the East compared to what it is in the West. In the West, you got the Memphis Grizzlies. You got the Denver Nuggets. You got the LA Lakers, a surging LA Lakers team. You got the L.A. Clippers if they get Paul George back, who is definitely championship contenders. You got the defending NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. Hell, some, if, if they can get their act together, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in Dallas is a dynamic duo who can make some noise. So why would you depart Brooklyn where it's easier to get to an NBA Finals and go to Phoenix if you don't care about your legacy? Stop, Katie. I love you, Katie. Katie's one of the greatest players in NBA history. But stop trying to sell us on this narrative that you don't care about your legacy. We know you care about your legacy to this day. I know you cared about it when you went to Golden State. I know you cared about it when you departed Golden State for Brooklyn. But you also cared about your legacy when you departed Brooklyn for Phoenix, Katie. Otherwise, you right there in Brooklyn. It's your opportunity to prove that you they can build a team around you. Because most people have this perception of Kevin Durant that instead of being a player who a team can build around, most people believe that Kevin Durant is a player who goes to another team and adds to that team, like the icing on the cake. But a lot of people don't believe that Kevin Durant is the cake. And he is the player who you can build around. He had his opportunity once the Nets made it clear that they were going to trade Kyrie Irving away. He had his opportunity to stay in Brooklyn and have the Nets build around him. You out there in Brooklyn, that's a big market in New York. You could have brought in another free agent to team up with Kevin Durant 
And they could have had a championship contending team next season and for future seasons to come. But you want to depart Brooklyn and go to Phoenix because you know that Phoenix gives you a better chance at being able to compete for a championship this season. The man is one of the greatest players in NBA history. He probably is the most efficient scorer in NBA history. While he was with OKC, Kevin Durant, he averaged 27 points per game. That was ranked first in team history. He goes to Golden State. He averages 26 points per game. That was ranked second in team history. He goes to the Nets, averages 29 points per game. That was ranked first in team history. And check this stat out. In his last 25 games that he's played in, Kevin Durant is 23-2. and two. This includes while he was still in Brooklyn. Remember, in Brooklyn, Ben Simmons was inconsistent, barely played. Kyrie Irving wasn't reliable. And in his last 25 games, Kevin Durant is 23-2. and two. I think he's still one of the best players in the NBA, arguably the greatest scorer in NBA history. And he's the most efficient scorer in NBA history. But Katie, stop trying to sell us on this idea that you no longer care about your legacy. Because if you no longer cared about your legacy, you would have never departed Brooklyn for Phoenix. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Ben Simmons being shut down for the season by the Brooklyn Nets. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network on this Monday, April the 3rd, in the house with your boy Trey Larkins. Don't forget tonight, we got 9-20 tip-off in Houston. It's the San Diego Aztecs. It's the Yukon Huskies. For the rights to win the championship tonight, it's going to be a great matchup. I just had my man Raphael Haynes on earlier from the three-point conversion. Go and follow the three-point conversion on all social media platforms. So definitely excited about the national championship game tonight. Let's transition and let's get back to the NFL real quick. And I want to re- elaborate on some things that I talked about earlier. This is something that I've been wanting to speak about, but it's been a lot going on in the NFL with the NFL free agency. And now we got the NFL draft coming up. It's been a lot going on, but it's the LA Chargers. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. So the LA Chargers recently hired Kellen Moore as their new offensive coordinator. And Kellen Moore and the Cowboys reached a mutual decision to part ways. Everyone's talking about, is this the right move for the Chargers? Is this the right move for Kellen Moore? I believe that this is a win-win for Kellen Moore and the LA Chargers. Let's start off with Kellen Moore and why his departure from the Cowboys and him going to the Chargers is a better situation for him individually as a coach. I believe that this is a better situation for Kellen Moore simply because you're going from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert. And from a physical standpoint and talent standpoint, Herbert is better than Prescott is. Now, I know Justin Herbert doesn't have a playoff win like Trevor Lawrence, like Dak Prescott, like Lamar Jackson. But Justin Herbert, in his own right, 
is one of the most talented young quarterbacks we have in the NFL. And I believe that when you go from a Dak Prescott to a Justin Herbert as your quarterback, now Kellen Moore can expand his playbook because unlike Prescott, Herbert doesn't have any limitations as a quarterback. He doesn't have any limitations at all. And for his career, Justin Herbert has 94 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, 14,089 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. And I think from a talent standpoint, he's one of the best. So I think because Kellen Moore is going from Dak Prescott to Justin Herbert, and that's an upgrade at the quarterback position. Now, when it comes to the L.A. Chargers, and why I believe that this was a home run hire for the L.A. Chargers, is because remember last year in the playoff game against the Jaguars? The Chargers had a 27-point lead at one point in that game, and they lost the game. They had a 27 the seven lead at the half. And in the second half, for whatever reason, the Chargers decided not to hand the ball off to Austin Eckelor. And that was an issue for the Chargers all year last year. All year, for whatever reason, the Chargers did not want to run the football with Austin Eckelor. Last year, the Chargers, they averaged 90 rushing yards per game. That was ranked 30th in the NFL. And it doesn't make any sense because Austin Eckelar is a top 10 running back in the NFL. And you look at what he was able to do last year from a stat standpoint. Last year, Austin Eckelar, he had 204 carries, 915 rushing yards, averaging 4.5 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns. That was running the football. But he also was a great pass catcher out of the backfield and a reliable receiver for Herbert in the Chargers passing game. Last year, Ekelar had 107 receptions, 722 receiving yards, five touchdowns. So I don't understand why the Chargers did not include Ekelar more in their game plan in the second half against the Jaguars. And that's the reason why they lost a 27-point lead. I think bringing in a coordinator like Kellen Moore, he's going to help the Chargers establish the running game more with Ekelar, and I believe it's going to help their offense as an entire offense because now you won't be one-dimensional. Last year, they were one-dimensional. Justin Herbert, he had 699 pass attempts last year, so they were one-dimensional, and you can't be a one-dimensional football team and expect to be a contender. That was one of the issues that I had with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. They were one-dimensional. They relied on Tom Brady to drop back the pass 40 times in each game to win games. You cannot be a Super Bowl contender if you're one-dimensional. So I think bringing in Kellen Moore is going to help balance out the Chargers' offense. And they got to figure something out with Austin Eckelar because Austin Eckelar is upset right now. He's frustrated. He wants a new contract. He wants a new deal with the Chargers. This year, he's getting paid $6.25 million, and he's very, very underpaid. He's underpaid. He is looking for a new contract that's going to pay him somewhere between $10 to $12 million per season. And I think he deserves it. I think when you talk about best running backs in the NFL, 
Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley. I believe that Austin Eckler deserves to be in that conversation as well. So I think bringing in Kellen Moore and adding him on their staff is going to help Brandon Staley for sure be able to balance out the offense because they got the personnel to be an elite offense. They got Keenan Allen at receiver. They got Mike Williams. They got Everett at tight end. And last year, offensively, they were 10th, averaging 372 yards per game. Their passing attack was one of the best in the NFL. They averaged 270 passing yards per game. That was ranked third in the NFL. And they averaged 23 points per game, which was ranked 13th in the NFL. So they got the personnel to be an elite offense, but they got to rely on their running back in Austin Nicolard Moore if they want to be a true contender not only in the AFC West, but in the AFC overall. So Kellen Moore, while he was with Dallas, he was a pretty good coordinator. Pretty good coordinator. 2019, the Cowboys, they were ranked sixth in total points per game, first in yards per game. And 2020, in a season in which Dak Prescott missed 11 games, they were 17th in total points per game. They were 14th in yards per game. But that was mostly played without Dak Prescott. In 2021, they were first in points per game. They were first in yards per game. This is all under Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. And last year, they were fourth in points per game, 11th in yards per game. So with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator, the Dallas Cowboys were a top 10 offense in the NFL. And now with him having the luxury of coaching Justin Herbert, who's a more superior quarterback than Dak Prescott is, I expect the Chargers to be one of the best offenses in the NFL if they can bring back Austin Nicolar and make him happy with the new contract because he's definitely, definitely unhappy and he feels underpaid and undervalued. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Ben Simmons as the Brooklyn Nets have shut down Ben Simmons for the rest of the season. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore Wage. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. At These guys know sports. Let's transition back to the NBA. And let's talk about Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are shutting down Ben Simmons for the rest of the season. He's dealing with a current back injury. And Jock Vaughn, speaking about Ben Simmons, he said, after consulting with our doctors, multiple specialists, he's just going to begin a rehab program. That was Jock Vaughn, Nets head coach on Ben Simmons. So my reaction to the Nets shutting down Ben Simmons is I'm not surprised. When I get news about Ben Simmons, I'm no longer surprised because I expect Ben Simmons to not be available for the Brooklyn Nets. He's missed the last 17 games this season. And honestly, since he was with the Sixers, Ben Simmons hasn't been the same. He hasn't been the same, and he's been dealing with injury after injury. You look at his statistical numbers with the Sixers compared to what they are with the Nets. 
With the Sixers, Ben Simmons averaged 16 points per game. His field goal attempts per game was 11.6. Eight rebounds per game, eight assists per game. With the Nets, he's averaged seven points per game, 5.6 field goal attempts per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, and 6.1 assists per game. He had three all-star selections with the Sixers, and he was also the 2017-2018 Rookie of the Year. He also was on the all-defensive first team one time in his career. But Ben Simmons is no longer the same Ben Simmons in Philly, now in Brooklyn. He's not that guy anymore. And the NBA... When you are an NBA player, it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a reason why players like Brandon Roy, like Danny Granger, like Greg Oden are not in the NBA anymore and did not live up to expectations. It's because of the grind. It's because of the, the commitment that you have to make to keep your body in shape. And, and try to perfect your skills at a high level. And when you're an injury-prone player, like Ben Simmons, Simmons is, your career could be shortened. And I think we're, we are going into a territory when it comes to Ben Simmons. The question now moving forward has to be, will Ben Simmons ever play basketball again? We got to start asking that question because it's like he's no longer – invested even when he does play even when he plays he's no longer invested like he was in philly with the nets he hasn't been invested and the nets are paying him a lot of money ben simmons over the next three years this season ben simmons got paid 35.4 million dollars from the nets next season he's going to get paid 37.9 million dollars from the nets and in 2024-2025 season, he's going to get paid $40 million from the Brooklyn Nets. He'll be a free agent in 2025. And I'm looking at this contract. This is the worst contract in the NBA. This is the worst contract in the NBA. He's getting paid a lot of money with no production and no availability. And we all know, I always say it. Your best ability is availability. Whether you at any job, any sport that you participate in, your number one job is to show up. You got to show up. And if you don't show up, then your job or teams in sports, they don't want to invest in you. And the Nets have made an investment in Ben Simmons that I know that they are currently regretting. Like this contract is terrible. It's terrible. And again, sometimes players in the NBA, they don't have a long shelf life. They don't have a long shelf life. They may have the talent, but they don't necessarily have the durability to be successful. And that's the problem with Ben Simmons right now. He's trending down a dark path. Now, he's getting paid a lot of money. But when I say dark path, I'm talking about his basketball career. Nothing else. Anything outside of basketball. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about strictly his basketball career. And like I said, I just named a few players. Brandon Roy, Greg Oden, Danny Granger, 
Hell, I'll throw Yao Ming in there. Players who did not live up to expectations because of their injury issues. That's the path that Ben Simmons is trending towards. And it's amazing when you look at the Brooklyn Nets as a franchise. This was the opening game of the season for the Brooklyn Nets. They had Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton. The only player who started the season with the Brooklyn Nets and is still currently on their team who was in their starting lineup is Nick Claxton. He's the only player that's currently playing right now on this Nets team. And the Nets, honestly, in the Eastern Conference, they are a sleeper. They need Ben Simmons. I think they are the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference right now. So when the playoffs start, they're going to match up against the Philadelphia 76ers. And I know Ben Simmons wants revenge against his former team. Unfortunately for him, him being shut down for the season, that's not going to happen. And he's shutting down a, a, a dark path from a basketball standpoint. And I don't know if he's going to be able to recover from that. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Wait, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show you to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Everybody, call to the show on Friday. I'll be back on on Friday, 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Don't forget, 920 tip-off in Houston. It's the national championship game. It's the San Diego State Aztecs going up against the Connecticut Huskies for the right to win the national championship the over-under for this game tonight is 130.5, and the Huskies are favored by seven and a half points. So a big-time matchup in Houston. I know my man Raphael from the three-point conversion was on earlier on the show, and he has the UConn Huskies winning their fifth championship in school history. And I think it's going to happen. I, 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 as bad as I want to pick the Aztecs in an upset, I believe that the Huskies are the more superior basketball team. I would give Hurley the slight edge from a coaching standpoint over Dutcher, the, the, the head coach for the Aztecs. And so I'm going to roll with the Huskies to, to beat the Aztecs tonight. But I think that the Aztecs cover. I don't think they're going to get blown out tonight. I think the, the I think UConn, I'm roll with UConn to beat the Aztecs. I'll go 80 to 75. So the Aztecs will cover tonight in Houston. But it's going to be a great championship game. I cannot wait for the one shiny moment tonight. Y'all know every every year after the NCAA tournament, they do the one shiny moment after the game. So I'm definitely excited about seeing that tonight after the game. And this is Jim Nance, popular and the CBS announcer. This is his last game calling the Final Four tonight. Jim Nance is a great broadcaster in our business. He's been doing it for a very, very long time. But this is going to be his last game calling the final four tonight so i gotta get out of here i want to go and watch this national championship game everybody go follow wise guys on twitter at wise guys underscore h also on facebook wise guys and be sure to follow wise guys on instagram at these guys no sports i'm trey larkins signing off have a great night it is the worldwide sports radio network